You're listening to Biceps After Babies Radio, episode number seven. Hello, and welcome to Biceps After Babies Radio, a podcast for moms who know that fitness is about so much more than pounds loss or PRs. It's about feeling confident in your skin and empowered in your life. I'm your host, Amber Brzezicki, a registered nurse, personal trainer, online fitness coach, wife, and mom of four. Every week, my guests and I will excite and motivate you to take action in your own personal fitness as we talk about nutrition, exercise, mindset, personal development, and executing life with conscious intention. If your goal is to look, feel, and be strong and experience transformation from the inside out, you, my friend, are in the right place. Thank you for tuning in. Now let's jump into today's episode. Hey, 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 welcome back to another episode of Biceps After Babies Radio. I'm your host, Amber Brzezicki, and today I have two extra special guests for you. Before I introduce Heidi and Natalie, I do want to remind you to subscribe to the podcast wherever you're listening to this, Stitcher, iTunes, Spotify, hit that subscribe button so that you get new the new episodes downloaded each week. And then also, if you are listening specifically on iTunes, go ahead and leave a review. Anybody who leaves a review before Thanksgiving day will be entered to win free enrollment into my online program, Ditch the Diet. It's for anybody who's wanting to make a transformation in their life um, physically and mentally. And anybody who leaves a review on iTunes will be entered. That really helps the podcast to be able to reach more people. So I really appreciate those of you who have already left reviews. Second, my healthy holiday series is in full swing. So I'm sending out an email every week with tips and workouts and recipes. In fact, next week I am sending out my Thanksgiving menu. So if you're interested in what I'm serving for Thanksgiving and the recipes I'm using, I'm sending that out to anybody signed up for the healthy holiday series. If you are not signed up, go to bicepsafterbabies.com forward slash healthy holiday and you can get signed up for that. All right, so let's dive into today's interview. You know when you find those friends who were just like meant to be a part of your life? My two guests today definitely were meant to drop into my life when they did. Heidi and Natalie are better known as Butterier Macros or Butters for short, and they are two friends who live about eight houses apart and they love food and they firmly believe that a goal-driven life can also be really, really delicious. I quote unquote met Heidi and Natalie back when I lived in North Carolina and I ended up coaching both of them. And then serendipitously, I moved to California and we went from online friends to real life friends. Just recently, after months of bugging me and telling me how cool CrossFit is, I started going with them to the local CrossFit box. And so now we're not only Instagram friends and real life friends, but we're also workout partners. I'm just so excited to introduce you to two of my most favorite people, Natalie Delaney and Heidi Bollard. Let's jump into the interview. I'd like to welcome Heidi and Natalie from Buddy or Macros to the podcast. Hey guys, how you doing? Hey, Amber. Hi, Amber. It's great to be here. So I'm super lucky because Heidi and Natalie live near me. So they actually get to be here with me talking in my house. So first off, I want to, this is Heidi and Natalie. And sometimes I feel like their individualities maybe get a little bit lost because most people just know them as buddier macros. Um, And so I do want each of you guys to introduce yourself individually so we can kind of get to know each of you as an individual. So first up is Natalie. I'm Natalie Dulaney. I am a mom of five. I'm 38 years old and I grew up in Orange County. Um, I am a hairdresser. I'm at a salon in Tustin. 
Hi, I'm Heidi, and I'm much older than Natalie. I'm 39, and I'm a mom of three. Um, I am a stay-at-home mom and turned macro coach. So I just realized that between the four of us, we have 12 children. We kind of know this mom thing. We, we got, I, well, maybe, maybe we have this mom thing down. Okay, so I know Heidi and Natalie um, from from several years ago, but uh, I knew them before they started Butter Their Macros, actually, but they started the fitness account, Butter Your Macros, about two years ago? So it's almost our two-year birthday. I think actually next January, it's our two-year birthday. And so can you just tell us a little bit about why you started the account, what you kind of wanted when you started the account, and what it kind of has transformed into over the last couple of years? So it started on one day, we were actually going to drive through Wendy's and we both had my fitness pal open and we were scrambling. We were in the drive through and we couldn't figure out what to order and everything. We couldn't tell if it would fit or it wouldn't fit or what the best choices were. And we were like, wouldn't it be great if there was a place you could go that had all the info on it and all the food info on it. So you could just quickly look at it and make a choice. And so we had talked about that and thought about, we should just start an Instagram for ourselves. And it was just going to be an account for the both of us to have as a reference point to be able to kind of look at whether things that we found or recipes we liked or articles or just a place to post all of our restaurant macros because we do actually eat out quite a bit. And so it actually evolved from that. We didn't really plan on it to become anything. Um, And Heidi will tell you how we got our name. Natalie's actually the one that came up with it. We were just out walking one day and she had a few suggestions. Um, We cringe every time we think of the alternatives. One of them was macro mouths, I think. Um, But when she said, butter your macros, we were like, that's it. Because um, sort of the name, we feel like kind of represents our philosophy in a way. Because we want you to know that you can still have real delicious foods and still count macros. And um, it can be an enjoyable uh, experience. So let's kind of dive into how you guys found macros, how that became a part of your fitness journey, and and what that looked like for you over the last couple of years. Heidi? Well, my uh, macro journey started with you, Amber. I heard about you from one of my sisters-in-law. I had been working out for pretty consistently for about a year, and I felt like I wasn't making the uh, strides that I that I wanted to be. And so I figured it was time to dial in my nutrition. <laughs> and so I contacted you, and we just went from there. So Heidi and I actually live eight houses apart, and we would cook two nights a week um, for each household and we would swap meals. And it was a great way to have home cooked meals for our family, as well as feeling like we were actually maybe kind of killing the mom game a little bit. And so she started counting, um, two summers ago. And at that moment I had just finished nursing my last baby and I was at my all time high and kind of in a really bad place as far as how I felt about myself and not really sure why the running I wasn't, wasn't working. And I had done Weight Watchers and had signed up again for it. And I just had just recently decided to go back to my fitness pal and just calorie count. And I think I was at like 1200 calories because, you know, they tell you two to two and a half pounds per week is what you'll get out of that madness. So we were, she was starting macros and I, we were doing food and I remember I would make things and ask her if she could have it on whatever she was doing because I had no clue what it was. And she said, oh, it's okay. Don't worry. I'll make it work. And I just remember thinking like, well, I don't want to cook a bunch of stuff if you can't even eat it. 
And I'm like, I'll just do whatever you're doing because we basically ate together all week long anyways. So that's how I decided to start counting with her. And then, so I actually emailed Amber, who's to this day, like the only person who's ever seen me in like my underwear. Um, And she got me my first set of numbers. So when you guys discovered macro tracking, was it something that kind of resonated with you and you kind of latched onto immediately or was there a learning curve or what was that like for you? It totally resonated with me that um, the idea that you could have anything you wanted, but that did get a little bit lost in translation with me because I felt like um, starting out, I reached for a lot of these diet foods like crunchy rice rollers and protein fluff. And I had a, I had a hard time really maximizing the potential of macros before Natalie came along. So it was interesting because I think pretty much right out of the gate, it was really nice doing it with somebody. And I would totally recommend that. I think if you have a friend counting, it's definitely a way to close the learning curve on it. But um, I remember Heidi was like, I remember being in her kitchen and she's like, okay, this is what we're eating for lunch today. We're having a sweet potato with rotisserie chicken. And she had this whole bag of rotisserie chicken and Stubbs barbecue sauce because it's a super low um, carb barbecue sauce. I'm like, okay, so this is what we're eating. So we would eat that pretty often. And I remember thinking like, this, there's got to be more to this. Like we got to figure out exactly what all this means and how this all works together. And I feel like together we made it happen pretty quickly. I mean, it was pretty much like we were heading into Christmas. I started counting in October and we were enjoying stuff like treats and stuff pretty, pretty quickly into Thanksgiving and Christmas with while counting. Which is something that I love about you guys because you are all about like the real food, like butter, treats, like actual legit food rather than just like the quote unquote diet food or even just quote unquote macro friendly food. Um, and I think that's something that's really relatable because a lot of women want to eat real food and they want to eat the food that they feed their families. That's something I get a lot is that people say, I want to eat dinner with my family, which I'm all for. I think you should eat dinner with your family. And I think people kind of miss that point sometimes of that, like the whole point is that you can fit anything in. You just do it in moderation and you balance it out throughout the day. So what are some other like common myths do you think that people have about counting macros that you have kind of debunked over your period of time of learning to count? I think one huge one is kind of similar to what you were just talking about is that you have to actually eat really horrible things that don't taste good in order for them to be more effective. I think that um, as a culture, we've decidedly labeled and given reputations to certain foods, whether they're good or bad or healthy or clean. And, and really food is just food. Like we shouldn't, you know, label anything that way. And I think when you look at macros as a way to like fuel your body to get the most out of your nutrition, as well as to be able to enjoy your life and you see how they can cohesively work together. Um, a lot of things that we like to preach is that we make macros fit your life, not your life fit macros. So if you historically, you're not like a big, I don't know, like rice cake fan, you don't need to become one. You know, but if you do love enjoy and you enjoy eating rice cakes, then eat them. And it comes the same thing. I think a lot of times people see stuff that people eat and are like, oh, I have to eat like her in order to have success. And our big thing is like, no, eat like you. Yeah, there's thing, exactly what Natalie just said. Finding a way to count that works with your lifestyle instead of thinking that you have to be a meal prepper and put all of your food in little black containers or that you have to live your life a certain way. Uh, and also thinking of, like Natalie said, thinking of your macros working together as opposed to, I'm going to eat this to hit my carbs today. I'm going to eat this to hit my protein, but really they work together. Carbs are 
the bread to your sandwich, the tortilla to your taco, and fats bring the indulgence and the little sour cream on top or what have you. So just figuring out that your foods are always a combination of the macros and how can you make it all work together in a way that you like to eat. So when you have been counting macros and you guys talked about doing it together, what are some of the things that have helped to make you successful? What are some of like the tricks, the tips, um, the tweaks that you've done to be able to fit macros into your life? I love this idea of fitting, you know, fitting macros into your life, not the other way around. So what have you done to be able to do that? Well, shocker, we eat out a lot. And I think that Um, A lot of people think that you can't go out with your family, you can't go out with your friends, you can't go out with your coworkers. You're meant to just eat at home. And one of the things that we've done is we had to quickly learn how to do that. We have husbands that enjoy a, a meal out quite often. Our kids are big fans of Happy Meals and we have kind of an on the go life. And so we have, we've had to learn to count on the fly, which is actually quite a bit different than a lot of people. I feel like a lot of people pre-log their days for success and we are kind of the opposite. We're more of on the fly living. Um, and we figured out how to adapt quickly to those kind of scenarios because we have to. So, um, becoming aware of your own patterns is definitely a big part of making macros fit your life. Um, if you're not a big breakfast eater, then don't force yourself to eat in the morning. Um, and really have on hand options. Since again, we talked about how we're pre-logging for me personally can get really overwhelming because I feel like I have to know everything that's happening the next day in order for me to do that. And I don't always know that. Like sometimes my husband can go to lunch or what have you. So having on hand options, uh, we always say at least three protein sources. Um, Like Natalie mentioned, I'm a big fan of rotisserie chicken or lean lunch meats, protein shakes, uh, Greek yogurts, having those just ready to go. because oftentimes hitting protein is the is the toughest part. So doubling protein um, in recipes, asking for double meat um, when you're ordering something out, and of course pulling back on the fats when you're eating out is also really important. So getting things um, on the side or without mayonnaise, without cheese, those types of things. Uh, just being aware and planning ahead where po- where possible, and just making adjustments as needed. I love that you point out that there are different roads to success because personally, when I was tracking, like pre-logging worked really well for me, but it doesn't mean that it's the only way to success. And I love what you said about making macros work in your life because how it's going to look in my life is going to be a little different than how it's going to work in your life. And it doesn't mean that one is right or wrong or that one is going to work better than the other. It comes down to preferences. It comes down to what foods you like, how you like to eat. And that's one of the benefits of flexible dieting is that it is flexible. And I think sometimes that gets lost in translation, like Heidi said, is that you start viewing it as very restrictive rather than like being flexible to fit into your lifestyle. Something else I wanted to ask, um, Natalie, you brought up your guys' husbands. So I'm curious to know like what your husbands think of this whole thing. Uh, you know, personally for me, my husband tracked macros for a period of time. He's like done it in and out as he's tried to bulk. Um, he's been trying to add muscle over the last couple of years. And so he's um, tracked with me while he was in those periods. But I'm curious to know what your husbands think about it. And like, especially as you guys eating together, what, what's their perception? Well, it was really kind of hilarious because in the very beginning, we were trying to make all sorts of crazy protein creations in order to get protein in. And there would be times where they would look and be like, what's in that? 
And I remember my husband Basil one time was like, I don't even trust you anymore. Like I can't even pick up anything you make and like not run the risk of it being something totally awful. And that was actually a really interesting experience for us because we really did. We really tried, we tried to make swig cookies, high protein. We would try to make cakes and cookies and just by adding unflavored protein powder in them. But we realized that it's better just to have the real thing and then have a chicken breast if you really like, you know, to balance it all out than trying to create all these crazy things in order to get your protein in. So when that phase ended, they were super stoked. And I think what's been neat is that anywhere they pick and anywhere they eat, which is also really, really great for your relationship with your family too, to not be the one that's always trying to control the food scenario, even though you are maybe the, being the one that cooks the most, or you're the one in charge of the refrigerator contents. But we've been able to be like, what do you want to eat? And we literally know from any place what to get that's macro-friendly or we can make it friendly. And that's been a nice thing to be able to do with our husbands. My husband's been pretty supportive from the get-go. He's a very laid-back, easygoing personality. But it was hard for him to watch me struggle in the beginning because I very much had this uh, all-or-nothing mentality about it. And I viewed every unknown food scenario, like it was a minefield. Like if I stepped wrong, I was going to explode my macros and ruin all the progress I'd made up until that point. I remember we went on a vacation to Las Vegas not long after I started counting. I'd only been gone, only been counting like three weeks and we were hitting all these buffets and I I was so anxious about what this was all doing to me thinking and, and that, um, getting past that mindset of you're fragile or your progress is fragile. When you, when you're counting macros, it's, it's your overall consistency that really matters, uh, as opposed to hitting it every single day, weeks and weeks on end. It's really an 80, 20 principle. What you do most of the time matters. So seeing, I think that was one of the most rewarding things for my husband as well as for me was to see that mindset um, hurdle be overcome. And can we talk a little bit about like you guys have both talked about, you both have had immense success with County Macros, but can you quantify that a little bit and how much weight did you guys lose? What did that transition look like and that, and that transformation look like? Cause I know for most clients, it's not just a physical transformation, but a mental as well. So how did you guys feel like you changed not only physically, but also mentally during that period of time of losing weight and County Macros? Well, counting macros is when I started, to, when I first realized that I was what you'd call a low self grader. So when I was in college, I took this religion class with my older brother who has really excellent self-esteem. And we were, uh, take, we were like three quarters through the semester and the teacher asked us what grade we thought we deserved in the class. And immediately I had all this these negative thoughts like, well, this class really wasn't my top priority. I could have done better. I should have tried harder. I didn't do this. I didn't whatever. And so I gave myself a fairly low grade. My brother, on the other hand, didn't feel that way at all. He was like, eh, I did good enough. And he gave himself an A. So then the professor at the end of the semester told us that the grade we had graded ourselves was what we were getting. And I was so furious because I'd actually done all the coursework, but because I, because I viewed my efforts so low, that's what I got. And I had this memory come back to me when I started counting macros. And I realized that a lot of the times I thought that I had blown it when I would actually, uh, 
keep myself accountable and go back in and log or um, really, or go back and weigh or whatever, I'd realize it wasn't as bad as I thought. Um, And that even though I started macros with the perception that I was like this grotesque overeater, what I realized was that, yeah, I would overeat sometimes, but then I would undereat a lot also. And so um, realizing that, again, consistency is really what matters. That's what really led to my success. And uh, I didn't lose a ton of pounds on macros, but I did lose about four inches around my waist, which was huge for me. And uh, I saw my best results after I reversed, actually. I think it's really interesting that you talk about the difference between you and your brother with grading, because there's a lot of research that shows that as women, we view what we do as we as neg- like negatively or or not as well as other people view it, whereas men are almost the opposite, and they like think they're the bomb dot com. When <laughs> it's kind of like when women stand in front of the mirror, like most women stand in the front of the mirror and start nitpicking and like you know saying I don't like this, I don't like this, and most guys stand in the front of the mirror naked and like flexing and like kissing their biceps, right? Um, so I think that it, that definitely is like a male female thing, and and definitely a personality thing too. But it is a little bit of a male female thing, so I find that really really interesting. So what about about you, Natalie, what did you find with your transformation, both physically and mentally? So I had always considered myself just somebody who's always going to be kind of chubby. We have, I'm the oldest of nine and we always had like, we've divided our family like in like the chubby siblings and the skinny siblings. And I was never going to be crossed over. And when I finished feeding, breastfeeding my last baby and I had packed on about 12 pounds per kid, I was sitting at 183. And I remember a really defining moment for me was going um, jeans shopping. Like I couldn't fit into my size 14s anymore. And I knew that I would have to buy a smaller pair, I mean, a larger pair of pants, a 16 or do something about it. And I just remember thinking like, how did I even get here? Like I, I run all the time. I, the elliptical says I burn this much. Like I've been doing Weight Watchers. I eat super well. I, I'm obsessed with salads and all these things. And I think it was so hard because you really do feel like you're trying to do everything you can for yourself. And when it's not working, it kind of feeds into this like mindset of like, man, you're just a failure or you're just meant to be this way. And like, you just better get over it or get used to it or realize that your day's behind you or things like that. And it's a really stressful place to be in because you're just super lost and confused about how to take care of yourself. And I think that was probably my favorite thing about macros is that the guesswork is done. Like I know that if I do X, Y, Z and I put in this effort, I can just, I, I'm doing the best I can for myself. And that was really, really eye-opening for me. Um, so I counted since October, I actually lost 10 pounds um, every month for four months. So I lost 40 and then I got like a remainder three. So I lost 43 in like the first four months. And that wasn't with any kind of crazy exercise. I actually just did YouTube videos in my downstairs bedroom because that's all I could really figure out um, to make time for. And it wasn't anything crazy. There were like five pound weights, um, occasionally nines when I was feeling super, super strong that day and, um, a lot of body weight exercises. And it was really just the consistency and the diligency and the tracking, um, not to be like all bragging, but I'm on like day 720 of tracking. And I actually have tracked every day, not all the way to the very end, but just to kind of get a feel for my day. And it's been something that's just given me personally, um, some security as far as like how I feel about the way way my day is evolving. It's like the one thing I kind of can control. And I know that people get a little crazy about the tracking, but really it's not meant to rule your life. It's more meant to just kind of guide you um, and help you once you kind of figure it all out. But um, 
that's really, so the shift in the mindset was, it wasn't even just the weight loss that made me feel um, better about myself. Because I will tell you, there is a point where you've lived in, you know, for lack of a term, like a big girl mindset for so long, even if you lose the weight, you still are there. It it doesn't automatically like transfer um, when you lose weight. So there's still a lot of work that goes on with yourself as far as like, getting into a place where you feel like you're actually comfortable in your own skin again in a different way. But I will say that the empowerment that you feel as far as like being completely confident in the decisions you've made, that's really the empowering thing about counting macros. And that's really what has changed in my life is that for the first time, I feel like not only am I me, I'm happy to be me and I'm happy to pick me and I don't really want to be anyone but me. And that is about, um, conquering something and mastering something for yourself that's empowering about macros. I loved what both of you guys said. And I just get this sense from both of you that you're just like, feel like you're coming into your own. And I think that that's something that happens in those, those 30s years that you really just start to come into your own and really just own who you are. What has your guys' experience been with that? Well, I definitely agree with that. I think that I grew up, you know, especially my 20s and early 30s, I knew you shouldn't care about what people think, but I still did. I was ruled by it. And I didn't realize it until I sort of felt that grip loosen. And yeah, with every passing day, honestly, I'm just, like Natalie said, she's happy to be her. I'm happy to be me. And I certainly care about other people, but what they think of me is really as they say, none of my business. I think it's an interesting transformation too, when you are about to become 40, because you always hear that like, once you hit 40, like it's impossible to lose weight and everything's downhill from there. And I remember thinking as a kid, you would always see those like over the hill balloons and it was like a gravestone. Right. And so this 40, this elusive 40, like you don't really think you're ever going to get there. And you're so wrapped up in like babies and like career and new, new being newly married in your twenties. And I, I think back into my 20s, I'm like, I really like 26. I mean, I, there's not, it's not like all these, these decades or these years have been awful, but there really has been a place where like you were so focused on the things you needed to have in order to feel like you were worthwhile or the things that you thought you needed or who you wanted to be or what style were you going to be? Like, were you preppy? Were you sporty? Like, did you have to decide even? Like, why couldn't you just like what you liked and go with it? And it was such a hard place to be because you never really felt like you could. It was always like, what are you going to evolve into? What are you going to like grow up and be? And it's, I think, really kind of paralyzing sometimes to be a woman and to have these, you know, young kids and to be a mom and to transition, whether out of a career or into a career or staying in your career and to figure out like where you land. And when you get to a point where you're like, I really don't even care about anything about what anyone else thinks but myself and my husband and the people who really are your core people, that's really liberating. But a lot of that comes with picking yourself first. Um, There's a quote we love that says, she woke up every morning and um, could be anyone she wished to be and how beautiful it was that she always chose herself. And I think that if you can get to a place where you always pick you every morning, the world looks so different. And I think um, being almost 40 and finally figuring out you know, the nutrition piece and the fitness piece and doing the things that you like to do. Like maybe you think you've always had to run in order to like, look like you were fit when you realize like, that's totally not even the case. You can do whatever you want. If you want to do yoga all day long, if you want to, you know, row crew, whatever makes you happy and whatever makes you feel most like you, like, I think that's such a great place to be. And that's really when you pick you. 
I absolutely love that. And I think it exudes from both of you guys in your writing, in your Instagram account. So I do want to kind of talk about your Instagram account. I know you guys have two accounts. You have, you know, butter your macros and then butter your macros underscore restaurants, which is an awesome resource um, for people who are going out to eat at restaurants. But one of the things that kind of like, I think people are drawn to you about is this idea that you can eat out and you still can be successful. And honestly, I am not super good at this. Eating out is not my love language. Um, in fact, funny story, when Heidi and I moved to California, Heidi and Natalie were like, okay, well, let's go out to eat. And I think I'd lived here like, you know, three, four, maybe five months. They're like, let's go out to eat and hang out. And, and uh, Natalie was like, well, wh- what are some good restaurants that are, that are near you that we could go to? And I was like, I have absolutely no idea. I literally think we've gone out to eat one time since we moved here. It's just like not my love language, but it is your guys's love language and you do it so, so well. So one of the things that I wanted to talk about was some of your tips and some of your like tricks for being able to be successful while eating out. Because I feel like this is your guys's shtick that, that you really can share with the world that you can eat out and you can be successful. So our first tip is to plan ahead and to research before you go. So nowadays, actually, most um, restaurants will have the nutritional information up on their site. So it's a really great way to kind of look and get a feel for what you're walking into. Um, We do have 65 plus restaurants on at ButterYourMacros underscore restaurants already done for you. And we've gone through and just pulled the macros out so you don't have to look at all the dietary fiber and sodium and all that stuff because it can get kind of melty when you're looking at it. Um, But knowing what you have available to before you go and committing to it actually helps you help set you up for success. Walking into um, a scenario with friends and family where you actually really just want to make the most of it by spending time with them instead of stressing about the food, having your decision ahead of time makes it a lot easier than going in, trying to figure it out, trying to look in your in your diary or actually having your friends suggest stuff for you and you feeling backed into a corner that you have to pick what the crowd is picking. If you know that you're going to have, you go to Cheesecake Factory and have the skinny licious tacos, you can just go in there and if someone asks you, what are you getting? You can be like, oh, I'm so excited to eat these tacos instead of them offering like, oh, you should really try their carbonara with the extra side of garlic bread and feeling a little bit trapped by it. So plan ahead, research beforehand and make sure that you know what you're walking into and what you're ordering before you go. So a question that I get a lot is what the heck do you do if there's no nutritional information online, right? Cause like, yeah, you go to Chili's and they have all the macros listed, but you go to some mom pos store or, or restaurant and you have no freaking idea what the macros are. And so then people start to get paralyzed and start to like kind of sweat. What are they going to do? How are they going to know what things to order? So in that scenario, you just want to read the uh, menu carefully, scan it, and look for words like grilled, baked, steamed, even even raw if you're going sushi. Um, you want to be looking for the components that are listed by your by the menu items. We generally find the fewer, the better. And don't always assume that the salads are better uh, or lower in calories because a lot of times calories are laden with super heavy ingredients like cheeses and nuts and dried fruit and things like that. So uh, look for the grilled chicken sandwich and have the mayonnaise and cheese on the side or uh, different things like that. Just be conscious and read through carefully and ask questions to the server uh, about preparation. And you can also um, ask for things to be prepared without oil or again, with all the sauces and uh, condiments on the side. 
And as far as like logging some things that come from a place that don't actually have nutritional information, we like to log things similar to other things that we've eaten before or that you know of. So for instance, if you go to like a hole in the wall and you get like a bacon cheeseburger, you know that Carl's Jr. has a bacon cheeseburger. It's going to be pretty similar macros. We would take those and log those. I'm so glad you shared those tips because I think people really get paralyzed by the fact that they can't be exact. And then they have this all or nothing mindset. Well, if I can't be exact and I don't know exactly what the macros are, then I'm just going to like not log it and not care. But what you're saying is that you can go into a restaurant or look, you know, you suggest looking at the menu beforehand, which I think is, is brilliant and picking something that has very minimal ingredients that you can estimate, um, focusing on keywords like grilled and, um, you know, raw or steamed rather than, you know, fried, um, or crusted and, and really making a choice based on that. And then just doing your best to log something that's similar and then moving on with your day and not getting in this mindset of like, Oh gosh, it has to be perfect. If it can't be perfect, what, you know, what the heck? Okay. So that was number two. So what's number three of your tips? So if you do want to be a little bit more ultra specific, especially when you're in a cut, we tended to do this a lot when we would go, we would go and we would eat half and pack the other half. And then we'd actually bring it home and break it down and weigh it. And then that way you can actually save it as a meal, as a food in your MyFitnessPal. So the next time you go out, if you want to eat the same thing, you've already done all the legwork for yourself, which then provides more confidence in the actual amounts of macros that you've eaten. So what you're saying is you would like pack half of it home and then you'd go out and weigh those individual ingredients so that you could plug it in and be like, oh, well, the other half that I just ate had this macros. And so the next time I go, I know that half of this has X, Y, and Z macros. Like for instance, a sandwich is a really good one to do that with. You can get a sandwich. They usually cut it in half. You can keep half for later. You can weigh the bread, pull out the meat. If there's avocado, you can weigh the avocado or the bacon. And what's interesting about when you do that is you actually realize that the sandwich might not have costed as much as you would have allowed for it. So for instance, we had um, these turkey bacon avocado subs one day and we're like, oh, these are easily like 800 calories. Like, and we were just going to kind of blanket the 800 and we're like, oh no, let's break it down. And I think it ended up only being like 470. So we would have actually overcharged ourselves and missed out on other opportunities to enjoy ourselves. So counting macros is not about just making sure that you're eating too much. It's about making sure you're eating enough. And I think that that's also a really positive mindset to employ is like, make sure that you're eating enough to fuel yourself. All right. So that was number three. So what is your number four tip? Our number four tip is to pick a decisive amount rather than just pulling from the bread basket or the chip basket, uh, take out a portion, uh, usually for chips, a serving size is about eight. Uh, take eight, put them on your plate and keep tabs of how much you're eating that way. I think that's super smart, especially when you sit at a table and you get talking and you stop paying attention to like mindfully eating. If you can allot a certain amount on your plate ahead of time, that's really smart to be able to like, no, yeah, I'm going to eat these chips. I'm going to enjoy them. There's no, no guilt around it, but I know that, um, I am eating a certain amount and I'm not going to just mindlessly consume a whole bunch of calories that I didn't really even enjoy. All right. And what is your last tip for people wanting to eat out a little bit more successfully? 
So it seems like it would be a no-brainer, but actually studies have shown that eating slowly and taking the time to chew your food actually not only registers with your brain on a far of a, like a satiation point, but also helps you digest better. So make sure that you eat slowly, chew your food. We always recommend drinking water before your meal has even come. Um, not only um, does that help with like salt retention as well as fullness, but it also just gives you a little bit of a palate cleanser and a way to pace yourself. So drinking plenty of water and talk between bites. I mean, going out to eat with your friends and your family is an experience. It's, you're meant to enjoy yourself. It's not really about the food. It's a way to gather. So make sure that you take the time to enjoy your company, You know, have a conversation, get into it instead of focusing just on the meal. And that actually will lend yourself to a really enjoyable eating experience. Natalie, you did a post not too long ago, kind of talking about this very thing about how eating is really important in your family's culture and how you know, eating is, is more than just food. It's an, it's an social experience. It is, it is things that bring things to people together. So how have you kind of found, um, with you counting macros, how has that worked in your family and in you guys gathering together and being able to have that experience together? So we, my brothers and I and sisters and I, we were really big into food. We love to cook. Um, we love to get together and try new recipes. We love to have like ramen eat-offs. Um, we definitely have themed days. We get together every single Sunday night and that's always been in place. And there's so many of us, there's nine of us, and it's just our love language. We really love to eat and try new things. And so it, there was a little bit of apprehension in the beginning of like, can I still go and do all these things? But I completely can. When we have a ramen challenge, I'll have a bite or two of each bowl and I'll log accordingly. I think also um, because we like to cook so much, it's given me the opportunity to prevent to present um, macro-friendly items to my family. Like I'll make a huge thing of you know, barbecue, pulled barbecue chicken sandwiches, and we can enjoy those together. You have a lot of wiggle room um, when you feed your family to be able to just bring really delicious things that you know the numbers on. But the flexibility is key too. I mean, a lot of people, their love language is cooking and feeding you, and you don't want to be rude or seem that you're unappreciative um, when, you know, maybe your mom spent a lot of time making that casserole you love so much um, from your childhood. And so, have some plan for it. Uh, we're big on the pregame. That's a big, uh, thing that we like to quote unquote preach a lot is to make sure that you just go into these events with having eaten lots of protein, having drink plenty of water. Um, if you know you're walking into a large family gathering with a lot of different variety, we always have a protein shake before cause it curbs your sugar cravings. So you're not as likely to just kind of munch all over the place, but just like Heidi said, with eating out, it's just be deliberate, you know, get a plate, pick a few things that you know that you really, really want to have and enjoy those. And those gatherings become so much more enjoyable when you're not stressed about the food. Really, really, really good point. I, I really, I really agree with that. So there, you know, there's listeners out there who maybe haven't tracked macros or her, you know, I'm a little bit nervous about getting started or they're just starting on their fitness journey. What is something that you would say to the woman who is like, okay, I have some goals. I want to make a change in my life, but I'm feeling overwhelmed and nervous and I don't know where to start. Our advice would be to just start tracking. Try to observe some of your patterns. When do you like to eat? What do you like to eat? What does that look like in my fitness pal? See what it would take to get in 100 to 120 grams of protein in a day. Pay attention to how different foods make you feel. Our advice would be to just get started. And I think that's, that's really wise 
that you don't even have to like necessarily set your macros, but just start tracking and become more aware because awareness is the first part of making a change. You have to become aware of like, what are you eating? Why are you eating? Are you doing you know, eating because you're hungry or because you're emotional? Um, and getting started with just becoming aware of where you currently are at is going to allow you to set a goal in the future to where you, you want to be in, in a couple of short months. Doing a little bit of segue into something that has been kind of fun for me over the last couple of months. For those of you who don't know, Heidi and Natalie live nearby, and for the you know probably for six months they they started going to CrossFit. And they've been trying to get me to go to their CrossFit box with them, um, and finally I relented and said, "Okay, I'm going to go to CrossFit with you guys," which has been such a fun experience. Doing something new for me, being able to do it with friends who I who I enjoy and who I love being with has just been awesome. But I want to hear some of the things that the CrossFit has taught you. Cause I've definitely learned some things over the last couple of months from CrossFit, but I want to hear from you guys. What do you feel like doing CrossFit has taught you about you and yourself and your body? For me, it's been very, a very humbling, um, but also inspiring experience. I, for the first couple of years of working out, I just worked out at home and that was really good for me. Uh, it kept a lot of negative self-talk and comparison and all that kind of junk out of my head. And it was almost like meditative, really. Like I got used to even looking at myself in the mirror without embarrassment, all those kinds of things. So then Natalie was the first one who started CrossFit. She got me to go and I was, I was floored. I think I used the phrase, this is pointlessly hard at the beginning, <laughs> which I laugh at now because it's not pointlessly hard. I just didn't see the point there then. And the point is pushing yourself to the next level. And for that's next level is going to be different for everyone. Next level is not always CrossFit. For me, next level was CrossFit. It pushed me to invest and trust and risk in a way that I haven't ever before in my life. With that comes, um, a huge amount of exhilaration and feeling of accomplishment, but there's also a downturn where sometimes I feel super low or defeated. Um, but the two go together and I would rather feel like I'm living my best life and reaching for goals, even if that means I fall sometimes, um, than to just sort of live in this baseline that this kind of boring, safe baseline. So I think that if you knew Heidi and I two years ago, you would be like, how did you guys even end up here? Like, how do you guys have like a account about nutrition and food? And how are you guys crossfitting? Like, it's such a, if you, I think anybody who meets us that hears that is like, what? And I think that that was, is so interesting about this whole cycle. And I, when you start getting into Instagram and you build an Instagram and you start seeing what fitness in your mind is supposed to look like. And then you're like, okay, well, I am counting macros and I need to exercise. So, you know, you have these people who you're like, okay, maybe these are my goals or maybe this is what I want, or maybe I do want to try to like get abs for the first time. And it's really easy to get discouraged, um, seeing people and just seeing pictures of themselves and seeing things that they've been able to achieve and not really know not only how to get there or what to do. And for a long time I was working out in my house and that really started getting boring and it wasn't paying off. And I remember Amber and Heidi and my husband were like, maybe you guys should, maybe you should start trying to lift a little heavier. And I'm like, what do you mean? Like the nines are challenging. And so I actually had just bought myself a pair of 15s for Christmas last year. 
And I'm like, all right, I'm really going to step it up with my 15 pound dumbbells, which is not a joke. That, that actually was really heavy for me at the time. And it was something that I was like, okay, I need to increase. I need to keep evolving and moving forward. And, um, my girlfriend at the time had been going to CrossFit for three years and Heidi was gone in Utah and I was super bored. She was, it felt like she was gone for like five years and I'm like, I need to do something. So I called my friend Jenna and I'm like, can I just go to CrossFit with you? And I had had all the preconceived notions of it being like dumb and people hurt themselves and like who would want to look like that and do crazy things like that. And to that point, I really had honestly never even picked up a barbell. And I went and I just remember thinking like, I totally got my butt kicked and it felt so good. And since then, um, it's been a really humbling experience. It's been interesting. We, um, the other day I thought to myself, this is like the first time that I haven't cared about what my body looks like. I care more about what it can do. And I think that that has been a really fun mindset for me because you really can't control when your biceps are going to show or when you're going to have booty gains or when your abs are going to pop. It's really about, are you having fun getting there? Are you doing the things that you love and enjoying yourself enough to just let it happen whenever it happens? And that's really been neat, but it hasn't come without its tears. Um, I think it's really hard when you, when you think that you should be good at something and you're not good at something, or you're like, I have a general, you know, foundation for this. Why can't I do this? And it's good to challenge yourself. And I think a lot of that is just like counting macros when you're first starting out, it's easy to get super frustrated and think like, why am I not seeing results? It's been like a week and a half. And the same thing goes for whenever you try anything new. Um, the challenging part of it is deciding just to get over the hump and do it and double down on it. And that's really why CrossFit has been liberating for me. I love it because I'm challenged every time I go in there and I've been able to do things that I never, ever would have dreamed of doing as far as from like a weight standpoint. And so it's fun when you get to a point where you don't even actually care about what the number on the scale says. It's more about the weights on your barbell is you want those to go up, those numbers to go up. And so that's been great. Okay. You got to tell us your double under story. Okay. So I remember, um, you can actually sign up for the CrossFit open. Um, and anybody can do it. Anyone from the street can come in and do it. And it's just like a big celebration of CrossFit for five weeks. And so that was the first time I had probably picked up a jump rope in probably like 20 years. And it was awful. I only had to do singles and I couldn't do any singles to save my life. It took me couple minutes just to do a hundred singles. And so I remember thinking like jump rope's stupid. Who wants to do jump rope? And so since that day, I've always had this like, I hate jump rope mindset. And so like a lot of things, CrossFit programs, a bunch of different movements in a workout. And one of their big movements is double unders and they look super cool. They sound super cool. I mean, it's a super skinny jump rope. And so who wouldn't want to do that? But they're way harder to master than you would ever think. And so I remember trying and not having any luck with it. And I'm like, you know what? I'm just going to get really good at singles. And so I did. I can crush singles. It's funny if I think back to that workout and how awful they were. I mean, singles now are no big deal. So we had, we have coaches challenges every week. And this week's coaches challenge is three minutes of double unders. And so Heidi and I decided to do it the other day and she did great. And I was struggling super hard. And all I wanted to do was 10. And I figured if I set the bar low enough, I would totally crush it and be like, look, you did your goal. But that those 10 were actually harder to get than I thought. And 10 seconds into the very end, I threw my rope down and I was like, I'm over it. This is stupid. This is so dumb. 
And our coach, Timmy, at the time was like, pick it up, finish it off, finish your three minutes. So I did. Um, and then I just started to cry. And he's like, what? What's wrong? And I'm like, I, I hate that. I can't do it. And he's like, what do you mean? He's like, you never practice them. And it's so true. It's like, I think that we, you know, before you quit, think about what did you do to deserve to succeed? And it's like, I didn't deserve to succeed. What did I do to deserve to succeed? Oh, because I was really good at singles. It should translate into something. And I think that you have to realize that effort and work is what you have to put into it in order to earn something. There are going to be things that you're going to be able to do that actually come pretty effortless and that'll feel really good. And then the things that you have to decide that you want. And so I, I can decide, I can be like, I can do singles the rest of my life. And every time the workout says double unders, I can just do double the amount of singles. Or I can put the time in, which is probably not that much time, but still time, like 20 minutes every other day, just jumping rope and just trying to get it. And I know that if I do that, I will get it. And I think that you have to make that decision for yourself though. Do you care? Do you not care? But whatever it is, if you don't do it, you're never going to do it. And I told Natalie that when like she gets double unders, it's going to be so much sweeter because of the struggle. And I, and I think that when I came into CrossFit, you know, I had a really good base of strength and like, I was able to do a lot of things that a lot of people struggle a lot in CrossFit. And I remember like we did toes to bar and you know, I, I'm not super good at toast to bar, but I could kind of like do it. And Natalie was like, toast to bar is like one of my things that like, I just really want to get toast to bar. But for me, when I got it, it was like, Oh, that's like, you know, it just, I didn't work for it. And so when you work for something, it means so much more to you. So Natalie, when you get those double unders, first of all, we're all going to be there cheering you on. But second of all, like it is going to feel freaking amazing for you to be able to accomplish that. Well, you guys, I mean, I love you guys. You guys have been some of like my best friends in this industry. And I just am really honored that you let me interview you for the podcast and that you're willing to come on so early on in the game with me. Um, can you let everybody know, because I know they're going to want to follow you and they're going to want to see when you hit double unders, Natalie. So can you tell us where they can find you guys? Yeah. So on Instagram, we're at butter your macros and at butter your macros underscore restaurants and online we are at uh, www.butteryourmacros.com and we also run the macro challenge awesome you guys are flipping cool and i really really appreciate having you guys on today love me some butters i think heidi and natalie really hammered home the point that you really want to make macros work for your life and not the other way around so if you're someone who likes to go out to eat, learn how to make that a part of your process and to be, still be successful while doing things that you really enjoy doing. That's a wrap for today. Thank you for listening to Biceps After Babies Radio. I'm Amber. Now go out and be strong because my friend, you can do anything. Hold up, sister friend. Do you love Biceps After Babies Radio? If so, the best way to say thank you is to subscribe to the podcast and leave a review on iTunes. I know every podcaster wants you to leave a review, but it's because those reviews help the podcast to reach more people. And I do truly want to know what you think. If this particular episode resonated with you, will you also please share it? Either send the link to someone who would find it valuable or take a screenshot and post it to your social media and tell your friends and family why they should listen. Make sure you tag me at biceps.after.babies so I can hear your feedback and give you a little love. And you know, 
If you aren't already following me on Instagram or Facebook, that's the perfect time to hit that follow button. Thank you for being here and listening to Biceps After Babies Radio.